Hi, you guys. This is our first official episode of the Moody Booty Method podcast. I'm freaking out. I'm so excited, so nervous. This is like the millionth time I've tried to record this, so we'll see how it goes. You know, just take it easy on me for the first time. I'll probably be stumbling all over my words, but you know, we've made it this far and I'm really stoked. We are talking about really what intuitive eating is today and how I've used it in my recovery from an eating disorder and why I am an eating disorder counselor. No, no, I'm not an eating disorder counselor. Why I am choosing to be an intuitive eating counselor and starting school to become a dietitian soon. So let's get into it. Except, okay, right before, I want to try and do this fun little segment to in the beginning of my episodes called the moody moment, the moody foodie moment, just something fun fun from my week that has also been a moody moment inviting, including intuitive eating, and that kind of represents something with intuitive eating, and that I can share with you guys, like a relevant moment. Does that make sense? Okay, let's keep going. So, a couple weeks ago, this is probably actually a week ago, not too long ago, I noticed myself starting to restrict a little bit with sugar and treats. And you might be thinking, wait, what, hold on. You were an intuitive eating counselor. Like, what? You, re- you restrict? And here's the thing. I, even though I feel really confident in my recovery and where I'm at, there's still a world of diet culture and content on social media and all the things and weight loss and things that sometimes might subconsciously trigger me to eat in a different way. And I noticed this and the great thing about therapy and recovery is being, having that self-awareness. I feel like I've been able to really become a lot more self-aware and noticing this about myself and kind of having a little bit more self-consciousness and body awareness and eating less sugar, I I noticed that it was affecting my mental health and I was not feeling that good about myself. So what I did with this moody moment is I, and sometimes I do this, this happens a couple times a year even, I will challenge myself to eat something sweet and a treat after dinner for the following week. So I'm keeping that balance of, okay, yeah, I know I'm going to, it's not even a question. I allow these treats into my life. I make sure that they become normalized again. And usually within a week, it's back to normal. I don't even notice it. And they're just in my life. And I wanted to start out with this because to point out that I am still human. And I think with a lot of things that we see may see on social media, a lot of people act like recovery or becoming, after having an eating disorder, everything is just fine and you live your life without ever having a thought of of your disordered eating days. And I just want to say that it has not, that has not been my experience and it's okay if it is not your experience either. And everyone's timeline is different and really being able to be honest with yourself and just have that self-awareness is something that I still really try and work on so I can keep up with my mental health and be 
aware of everything kind of going around me. So that is my little moody moment for you today. And let's get into my background with intuitive eating. So I, the reason I, I was introduced to intuitive eating was actually through my sister. And it was right after I have moved from living in Hawaii for a year and moved to Utah. And that was the point where I think my mind and body kind of decided I can't keep this up. I was doing dealing with a lot of restriction and I was never diagnosed with an eating disorder during really any of my time with this. I was never in a clinical treatment or had to stay stay somewhere over overnight or do inpatient, which is just staying at a facility for a certain amount of time. And I want to point this out because even though I was never heavy air quotes on this that bad, I still really was struggling a lot. And I never really checked off all those boxes of being, okay, you're this severe in an eating disorder. So you are going to have to go through all this treatment. So I was kind of in that in between where I was definitely struggling a lot of of restriction and then moving to Utah really couldn't keep it up and then began to binge and was was never diagnosed with a binge eating disorder, didn't really feel like I fit that criteria because I could live my life still. I would show up to classes for school. I would show up in social events, so you know, be with friends, but my mind was just really not in a good place. So when I moved to Utah, you know, I was I'm a pretty open person with my family about, you know, how I'm feeling. And so they they pretty much knew I think what I was going through, but it was just a transition of moving from Hawaii to Utah. And I think we all just were like, okay, yeah, this is just what it's gonna be like. It's just kind of hard sometimes. But after about a year of struggling with binging and really having no clue what was going on, I decided to get professional help. And let me back up just a minute because when I did first move to Utah and I said that my sister introduced me to intuitive eating, it was something that I thought sounded cool, but I didn't think it would work for me because my main focus was still on how I looked and being quote healthy. So I didn't think that healthy involved gaining weight. I thought I needed to still be really skinny. I wanted to lose weight. I wanted to have a certain aesthetic and intuitive eating was, didn't like it sounded nice, but I was like, no, keto will be the thing that's going to still help me. Or I'll just try whole 30 this time. And when that didn't work, let's try paleo and all those things. Eventually, I was hitting a rock bottom where I couldn't not think about food in my body and I was just really in a dark place. And I was pretty open about it with my family, like I said. And my brother-in-law, I remember, who is he was in medical school at the time and I really look up to him and like respect his views. And he was explaining to me that, you know, these, this stuff in your brain that you're trying to deal with, it's like a broken bone. And when you have a broken bone, you have to 
get a cast and you have to recover it and get attention that is needed. And it's the same thing if you're struggling with your mental health. We have to get help for it. We want to be able to become stronger and get the proper help that we need. So I was able to start meeting with different therapists and dietitians and ultimately was able to meet with a therapist that was intuitive eating informed. And she was really someone that I still see every now and then now, but really led me through recovery and taught me how to become an intuitive eater in in a way that I didn't think was possible. Um, I did also meet with a an intuitive eating dietitian just for a little bit, and then solely was meeting with my therapist pretty often. So that is kind of how I was introduced into into intuitive eating. It's really commonly used for for eating disorder treatment, and it's used in different ways. I think with eating disorder treatment, depending on what, how severe your eating disorder is or what eating disorder you may have. Like I mentioned before, when I was living in Hawaii, I was restricting a lot and I was never diagnosed with anorexia, but I believe that is what the closest one I would have or orthorexia, which is considered an eating disorder where you're obsessive with eating only quote clean foods and being just really obsessive about what you put into your body. And living in Hawaii, I felt like I was living in a swimsuit basically, and I was really conscious of my body. And I became that healthy girl. And that probably started like my senior year of high school, but I felt like my identity was being the healthy girl, the healthy friend, the 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 one that, you know, is trying to be the health nut or choosing the healthiest thing on the menu at dinner and always wanting to exercise. And so I felt like that was my identity and I had to keep it up. Even though I didn't necessarily look, quote, sick enough, I don't know. I feel a little bit nervous kind of getting into that, those word, that wording and vocabulary because it's so nuanced, nuance meaning gray area. I love the word nuance because it's so useful in intuitive eating because there is so much gray area, which we're going to get into. But so having this kind of identity of being the healthy girl and then moving to Utah and kind of it all just coming crashing down on me as I was trying to do everything in my power to stay the smallest version of myself and it just wasn't working and then binging and finally realizing, okay, I needed help. Once I met with my therapist and understood, okay, the most important thing right now is to have, is to have a peaceful relationship with food and body. I knew that having to let go of this perfect body image, quote, perfect, because we know that's not everyone that has a unique body, but it was really hard. I didn't want to let that go. And it took me a while, probably a couple years to really take away that pressure of, but I'm still thinking about what my body looks like and when I eat this food and when I don't eat this and all that jazz. And a dietitian on Instagram that I really look up to 
her Instagram is happily fed. She had, I think she had posted something once that when you are trying to recover from an eating disorder and trying to implement intuitive eating, that the best thing you can do with body image is to just put it on the back burner. Just tell yourself you're going to come back to it and just kind of put it on the back burner. And so I would always constantly have to remind myself, okay, maybe I'm just going to not think about it right now. We'll come back to it. And this took a lot, a lot of time, a lot of hard work and a lot of patience with myself, a lot of hard conversations, a lot of therapy, a lot of journaling, all the things. So that is my introduction to intuitive eating and and the way I, I started to change my relationship with food. I think there's a lot more that we could unpack with um, my living situation in Hawaii and how I even decided to become that, have that identity as a healthy person. But I think we'll save that for another episode because I really, I also want to focus on why I even want to start this podcast. So we're going to kind of shift gears just a little bit. And the reason I wanted to start this podcast was because there's a couple of different things. So number one, I love intuitive eating and I love this, this body neutrality way of thinking health at every size and just having a inclusive and diverse idea about health and it has definitely changed my life and how I see myself and how I see the world and experience the world so I want to share that with people and I know that going through recovery is so hard and it's really hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel and so I just want to be another place where people can feel like they're not alone in their journey and that it does get better also like some of you may know, um, my Instagram, Maddie Moody Foodie, is where I first started sharing about my journey with um, an eating disorder slash disordered eating. And I've loved being able to be on Instagram and share and stuff. But lately, I just have not been drawn to sh- showing up in that way. And I don't know, I've been wanting to have a different format to really share my passion with with people and just to even create more than I consume because I find myself comparing myself a lot and consuming a lot on social media and I think that having a podcast will be a new way for me to challenge myself and reach different people and hopefully talk a little bit deeper about topics that I can't always get that deep into on Instagram so that is another reason why I'm wanting to do this podcast. And then lastly, a couple weeks ago, this is kind of funny because I remember I must have been like on my period or something and Olivia Rodrigo's new album came out and I was feeling so heard and so seen with some of her songs on her playlist. The one that comes to mind right now is Pretty Isn't Pretty, if you haven't heard it. It's basically just about how girls, we try and do everything we can to show up and feel the best and like do look the best according to society standards. And then it's never enough. And we're like always falling short and 
we can never live up to anyone's standards. And I was listening to that and it just reminded me of diet culture. And it made me just feel like I had been, I must have been consuming content that was making me feel like I wasn't enough or listening to things. And I have to be really self-conscious or self-aware about what I am consuming. And, and that song just made me realize, okay, I need to kind of shift what I am consuming right now and come back to a place where I'm feeling good about my body and I can just show up and not feel like I'm constantly not enough. And so yeah, shout out to Olivia Rodrigo for that song. It's such a bop. And I was just listening to that song and I'm just like, I need to have a place where I can almost be accountable for myself because you guys, again, like I said in the beginning, there's still, I feel like even though I'm an intuitive eating counselor, there's still times where I'm like, I want to go on a diet and I want to lose weight. And I feel like I will be happier and I will be more confident when I do lose weight. Those thoughts will come in just for a second. And I really do have to rewire my brain because with intuitive eating, it's, if I start to manipulate the food I eat to, you know, and manipulate the exercise I do for a certain way for to change my body and the way I look, then that's no longer being an intuitive eater. That's no longer respecting my needs and my biology. And I know that some people totally have no problem with counting macros. So this is a little disclaimer because I know some people have no problem dieting or they don't feel triggered by what I eat in a day videos that start with an ab pick. And that is totally awesome. And if that is you, like more power to you, I think that's great. There's there I really feel like there's no problem with that until you kind of start pushing that on other people. And this is that kind of fuzzy line where I get a little confused with because in my bias opinion, you know, I want to say everyone could benefit from intuitive eating, but then at the same time, like who am I to tell someone to change their life if they don't want to and change their way of thinking, like if they don't want to and if they're perfectly happy right now. The reason that I did choose to become an intuitive eater is because I wasn't finding any peace in the the diety ways I was thinking. And I think we all have different brains and we're all susceptible to different ways of thinking. And I personally am really sensitive to diet culture and to body image and continually having my body critiqued if I were to be on a diet or trying to change my body would be so poor for my mental health. And I know that because I've tried it even in the beginning of my intuitive eating journey with my therapist, like a couple months into it, I was like, I think I'm good. Like, I think I'm going to try macro counting this month actually. And this is so funny looking back on because she was so sweet. She's like, okay, like let's still meet. I'm sure she was like so nervous for me because it had been like a couple months. She's like, let's still meet. Like, I'm not going to tell you not to not do that, but like, I want to hear how it's going and I was like, okay, yeah, I got this. And then sure enough, like two weeks in, I was like binging again because I had restricted so much. And 
that is just what I've learned and how I, how I react to restriction. You know, my brain and my body doesn't like it. I, I feel my best when I'm constantly and consistently nourishing myself. So I just want to be clear that everyone, you know, can choose the lifestyle that works for them. And that if, if it doesn't feel that easy also, that's normal because it really isn't that easy to be an intuitive eater in a world that kind of is filled with diet culture. But I do have some tips for you guys. So I'm going to end this episode with some, with three different tips that if you're on your intuitive eating journey, that could give you a little bit of comfort and just some ways that might lighten your load and give you a little bit of perspective, whether you just started intuitive eating or whether you are, you know, a couple years into it or kind of deciding if you want to go into it. But, you know, even though we're 20 minutes in the episode, let me give you the official definition of intuitive eating. So um, I apologize if you're like listening to this whole thing, like what does this intuitive eating even mean? But I'm sure you're aware, you guys all probably know what intuitive eating is if you're here. But let me give you the definition from the dietitians that created intuitive eating. Their names are Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch, and they created it in 1995. So according to them, their intuitive eating is a self-care framework which integrates instinct, emotion, and rational thought. And it is a weight-inclusive, evidence-based model with a validated assessment scale and over 100 studies to date. I believe it actually is even more than 200 studies to date, but that definition is a couple years old, so that number probably hasn't been updated. But yeah, so there is our definition for it. I love how it includes physical and emotional, or the your instinct and emotions and rational thought. So you're still using your brain. It's not like that, you know, early days Instagram, I think, showed into doing as just eating cakes and cupcakes all day long and then feeling like crap. And I promise you that is not it. There are 10 principles within intuitive eating and they all cover your emotional well-being, physical well-being, and mental health. So it is really a, like they said, a self-care framework, which is so awesome. And it's a lot of work, self-work. So that fits right in because my first tip for you in your journey is to put in the work. And whether this is in with a professional therapist or dietitian, or if you are just reading the book, I would get the workbook and write down with your journal. If you have someone that you could have help you hold accountable, someone that might be in the same boat that is you know, sees, sees intuitive eating is the same as you and you can trust. I really think that I wouldn't have been able to make as much progress if I didn't meet with my therapist regularly in the beginning. And if I wasn't journaling almost every day, all the things that I was trying to do with there being 10 principles, it can seem pretty overwhelming. And in the beginning of my journey, I really just wanted to check them all off one by one. And I quickly learned that's really not how it works. You can totally jump around depending on our life experiences and different things that might make us feel 
vulnerable or scared or hard to, to deal with, you can jump around with those principles. But really working towards them, even if there's so many different dietitians online on Instagram that have like free courses or, you know, that are intuitive eating informed, that have coaching. And I really think that having someone kind of guide you along it, along that path is so helpful and for you to be accountable and holding you accountable to put that time and work in. So that is tip number one. Tip number two is to stay in your lane. (laughs) So what I mean by this is to do not compare yourself. Don't allow others on social media that might be going through the same thing as you to make you feel bad about how long it might be taking you. And also what I mean by this is to not try and shove intuitive eating down everyone's throat. So I think my family can attest this was a little bit of me in the beginning because one of the principles in intuitive eating is to, to, what does it say? Something like reject the diet mentality. I believe that's number principle number one. And what they kind of talk about with this, you know, you're rejecting that mentality. You you kind of, they, they encourage you to get mad at diet culture. They, as in the dietitians who wrote the book and other dietitians as well. And how I can see how that can be helpful in processing those emotions of recognizing that things that you might have taught when you were little or comments that people have said stemmed from diet culture and stemmed from a thin, thin centric point of view. And I understand how that can be frustrating. So you do want to get mad. But then it comes to a point where you have to realize that, okay, everyone has autonomy, meaning, you know, can choose whichever they want to do. Everyone has body autonomy. And it's definitely possible to... Okay, I lost my train of thought, but I'm back. So back to our stay in your lane tip. Do not try and convince everyone that intuitive eating is going to be perfect for them because it really will just maybe cause you to get more frustrated and not everyone is going to think the same way and that's okay. And once I decided to let that go, that not everyone had to have my same ideas, that gave me a lot more peace in my own journey and I could just focus on myself and not worry about everyone else. Crazy how that works, right? (laughs) And then lastly, our last tip is to give yourself time and grace. I know I say this all the time on my Instagram, give yourself grace. It's because it truly is such a good tool for for your recovery. When you are feeling bad and guilt and that shame that is that is connected to having an eating disorder for doing all those things, it can feel really hard to forgive yourself and to allow yourself to start over. Everything just seemed so final in my head. I remember feeling so hopeless with having all these disordered eating struggles and feeling like I could never get better. So I really want you to allow yourself to give yourself time if you're feeling stuck, if you are feeling like you need to have a certain timeline, just try and not give yourself a timeline to be completely healed or cured or recovered because there's always something that, you know, life experiences or struggles that might bring stuff up and that's okay. And that's why we continue to 
learn and grow and go back to the resources that help us. So I don't want you to feel like there's any rush. Take your time and don't compare yourself to others and put in the work. Okay. Thank you so much for listening, you guys, to this first episode. I'm so grateful you were here and we will be back next week.